Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Hello, everybody. Happy to, to have you here on our new podcast, the fourth one, uh, with Tika, right from Toronto. Uh, hello, Tika. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, everybody's getting used to this little podcast now from, from now and then. And uh, what we like or what we find useful is to start off with, with, a, with a small introduction of who you are, where, where you are based, um, and and tell us, yeah, a little bit more into your, your personal background. Yeah, 100%. So my name is Tika. Uh, I work with MLSE in, uh, well, for, for those listening that don't know, MLSE is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uh, based in Toronto, Canada. We own the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NHL, the Toronto Raptors of the NBA, Toronto FC of MLS, and the Toronto Argonauts of the Canadian Football League. So we're pretty wide ranging in terms of the, the number of teams that we have and the sports that we operate across. Uh, and myself, I, I work in our MLSE Digital Labs group, which is our technology and digital team that sits within MLSE. So we as a group are the kind of technology digital innovation arm for MLSE and operate a lot of the uh, anything to do with digital products. Uh, we do product development, kind of software engineering, uh, all of our IT functions, uh, and then all of our uh, venue technology uh, as well. So um, yeah, pretty pretty cool group. And MLSE as, a, as an organization is uh, it's, pretty it's big. It's kind of unique. It's kind of unique. I mean, I've been... I've been lucky enough to hear about you to know what you what you guys are doing, but in terms of like you are different teams from different franchises uh, working all together, so different sports, indoor, outdoor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you face obviously similar challenges in terms of sports performance or digital activations, that's for sure. But by a sense, I mean your positioning is kind of unique, as I was saying, and. I think like I would like maybe before we dive into everything that you do, but to, that you tell us a bit like how did it come that different franchises from the same city came together? What 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 makes it so beneficial for for you and the different teams actually? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the Toronto Argos and the Toronto Maple Leafs have been in Toronto forever. They they're the longest standing kind of franchises um, in Toronto and. Uh, the, the Leafs and the Raptors really came together kind of after the Raptors first started in Toronto 25 years ago. Um, and kind of the ownership groups of both of them thought that there would be a lot of synergies in just having both teams kind of together, playing out of one venue, playing out of, uh, you know, the now Air Canada Centre um, and just economies of scale of bringing the teams together as well. And so we've since then added the Toronto FC and, and Toronto Argos to our teams. Um, and what that really allows us to do is 
not only achieve the economies of scale of being able to have some central services that kind of can operate across all four teams, but also to take learnings from one league to the other and something that works in the NBA, uh, we can test it out and see how it works in the NHL uh, or, you know, innovations that are happening in MLS, we can also take and cross and apply to the NBA or CFL. So it really allows us that unique uh, perspective into how all the all each league operates and what they do best and what we can kind of take from one and, and apply to the other. So that's really cool. Do, do you have some like use cases or like some something that you tested on like Oki or like NHL or MLS and that you you said yeah. like hey, guys in the NBA, please use it or likewise? I, I, I think it's even, you know, sometimes as simple as some of the things to do with game presentation, you know, like our, our game presentation team, for example, for the, the Raptors, uh, and, like all of our teams, they do an incredible job. But for the Raptors, uh, we've really been able to kind of take it to the next level. And because of the expertise we've uh, and things we've been able to try out on that side, taking it onto the Leaf side as well and seeing what works there to also mm -hmm. start to engage a bit of a younger audience, that next generation of fans, you know, hockey has run into a bit of a wall of being, you know, not the most accessible sport to some younger fans sometimes. So what can we, we've taken some learnings from basketball and how we've been able to build a multicultural fan base and uh, a fan base that is very young and diverse uh, and then taking that across onto the Leaf side and trying to build that up uh, around the Leafs brand there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And just for uh, like, again, for sake of clarity, because I know plenty of our listeners are mostly EU based. So in mm -hmm. Europe, rather than in the US. So mm -hmm. how, how old is MLSC so that they, they understand as well? Yeah, MLSC as an organization uh, came about in the late 1990s. Um, but the Toronto Maple Leafs have been a, a hockey franchise in Toronto since the mm -hmm. uh, early 1900s, and the Raptors are now 25 years old. Uh, but MLSC as an organization has been around um, for, you know, just over 20 years now. Okay. And right now, in terms of like, what were you doing last time we were discussing it was mainly around, you know, the different products you're building and scaling. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you tell us a bit more in terms of where you are at? What, what is mainly your objective and what is your daily activities or project into the digital world? Yeah, for sure. So I think, uh, as, as I mentioned, sort of our digital labs group is the technology and innovation arm for MLSE. So we really... Our, our mandate is to disrupt sports and entertainment and to create innovative uh, fan experiences, innovative digital experiences for our fans, players, our teams, and any performers that come through our building as well. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're sports, but we're also, we have a live music uh, arm of our business as mm -hmm. well. So um, we operate a lot of concerts uh, out of our venues and have a unique partnership with Live Nation Canada. So anything to do with any digital products in that space, uh, we are, are really ultimately responsible for and are trying to be at the forefront of, of innovation for. Um, and we've put a lot of focus, um, as a group into our digital strategy around our mobile apps, how our mobile apps get used, you know, on game days versus non-game days, uh, how they get used as a tool to complement the game. Uh, and really, you know, throughout the course of the pandemic, that's been something that has been a another huge focus for us because we've had to completely reinvent again, how we connect with our fans uh, and how we keep okay. them engaged these days. Yeah. So what, what were the assets that you, you could be leveraging like, over the last year in terms of like, because as we know, live events or live sports were, were shut down. And yeah. by the time it restarted in the bubble or or later on uh, in, in other 
in other leagues, like what what were the main assets that you were putting into the app or digitally to activate with the fans? Yeah, so I think it started off, you know, we started off pretty reactive, to be honest. I think the first few first few months of the pandemic, it was very much just, um, wow, what do we do? How do we communicate with our fans? What do we tell them? Because we don't, you know, we, we don't have any more information than they have sometimes. So it's like, what, what more can we tell them? And what more can we do to make them kind of feel like we're going to get back to some, you know, normalcy, mm-hmm. or we know how things are going to progress. So it was really for the first few months, very reactive and, and using some more of our traditional communication channels with them to continue to engage them sort of like the email or uh, like using our, our mobile app to, you know, continue some of our partner engagements, but um, with, uh, with a little bit more focus on kind of like that, you know, staying home at home experience. And after those first couple months, I think we really realized that, you know, things were not going to be normal for a very long time again. And so we needed to come up with some ways that we could continue to engage our fans from at home while they were watching uh, in the bubble. And, uh, you know, I think we've all talked about broadcast a lot lately and broadcast is, you know, still a very much a one-way experience for fans and it's still something that they don't necessarily feel that engaged with it's easy to you know we we did some research with our fans because for us everything starts with data and you know 92 percent of our fans are doing something else while they have the game on um on tv 92 92 yeah and so we we really realized that like just having that as the only way for them to connect with our teams was not going to be a way to continue to build the brand, build that connection and um, continue to engage our fans. So we set out on a bit of a mission to actually kind of build a new product, uh, a new app and digital platform that allows our fans to uh, have a little bit more of that two-way communication with the team uh, and and you know with our with our brand. So mm-hmm. we through our research also discovered that you know our fans are talking on social media, talking with friends and family during the game. They are participating in online uh, forums. You know, Reddit's pretty big, and a lot of them are kind of participating in Reddit. And um, they are also you know looking at stats on apps like the Score or um, they're doing, you know, free to play gaming, that sort of stuff. So we kind of built, we set out on a bit of a mission to sort of build a new platform that actually allowed them to do a lot of those things in one place um, and allowed them to kind of engage with the broadcast at the same time as they're, you know, keeping up with the game, keeping up with their friends, playing some predictive games, playing some trivia, all that sort of stuff. And and we've, uh, we were experimenting with that during the bubble, which was uh, a lot of fun for our team. And I think a lot of fun for our fans too. And we had some really good learning about that. Sounds like it. And for me, like you mentioned something very interesting on, on the data side and everything starts with the data, which I mm-hmm. which I find very accurate and very relevant for any sports organizations that want mm-hmm. to start innovations journey whatsoever. So strategy and data should be at the core. But before I jump into this, like you were mentioning interactivity or personalization as, as key for your fans. Uh, and I will jump right into it, but MLSC Digital Labs, to which extent was it involved or because from from the quick presentation you made, it, it sounded like you were doing everything in-house. So for me, it's like, is it something where based on your research, you say, okay, we would like to have some widgets to, to, to have like chats or whatever the level of sophistication you want into the interactivity or 
or personalization of the app. Mm-hmm. But is, is it something you, you build internally? Is it something where you scout and monitor outside that you integrate? How, how, do, you, how do you work, actually? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, I think it, it's different in every situation, to be honest, for us. We do, when, whenever we start out with a new idea or uh, going down the, a new road of a new product, we do a bit of an assessment on buy versus build. You know, like, what are the existing capabilities out there? What do we have the capabilities to do ourselves? And what makes the most sense for us? And actually, quick questions on that. Is it is it when you do this kind of review, is it for one team? Like, do you say it's for the Raptors first or is it for uh, Toronto FC and the Raptors? Or do, do they yeah. have to take works and I'm interested? And so you have to review for the four, for the two, for, for three franchises? Or how does it work, actually? Yeah, it's a good question, too. I think... On the sport side, on the sport performance side, it is a little bit more team or franchise based. So, you know, something uh, something can be more soccer focused uh, that, you know, maybe the foundation of it might have applications across um, soccer or I'm sorry, across hockey or basketball. But the actual, you know, when when you come down to some of the health data or the performance data like that doesn't necessarily have applications across all. So um, I think on the the sport performance side, it's a little bit uh, team focused. But on the fan engagement side, it's really, you know, because we have access to all these different fan bases and we are trying to uh, build things that can be applicable off of different across different fan bases that we're not looking at it on a team specific basis. We're really looking at um, doing the assessment on, you know, what it is that we're trying to do, who are we trying to do it for Mm -hmm. and what do we need to be able to do it? And when we say who we're doing it for, it's really for the fans that we think are going to be most engaged with it. It could be fans. Yeah, exactly. You're targeting a demographics rather than like, yeah, demographics demographics. and psychographics and behavioral, you know, like we don't, we don't really care if someone is a 18 year old fan or a 45 year old fan, but if they're an avid Leafs fan, that's who we're targeting, right? If there's someone that wants to engage with everything. Um, so we're, we're really looking at, um, our fan behaviors and our fan um, kind of psyches a little bit and, mm. and building our products off of that information that we know is going to resonate uh, with those types of people. Do you, do you, sorry, I'm going a bit like <laughs> everywhere with the, with the different questions, but I find it really cool because as I was involved with Wi-Fi in terms of different research and mm-hmm. building products as well is, do you conduct your own research or do you, do you work with like, uh, I, I know you're, you're working with different universities, but yeah. like behavior science is key today. Um, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, it's also a little bit of that same buy versus build mentality when it comes to research as well. We have the capabilities in house to do some research uh, here, but it, when it, when it does come to some of the more behavioral science type ones where we're going a little bit deeper, we do work with um, some third parties. Uh, we have a couple, mm-hmm. you know, research vendors that we like to partner with. But if we're just doing, we do a lot of kind of research still in-house that's more quick pulse type uh, research where we're not going as deep. Uh, And we find that that, you know, just allows us to be a little bit more nimble and flexible because once you kind of get a a, a vendor involved or a third party involved, it does become a little bit more of a, just a longer process sometimes and more back and forth, et cetera. So uh, for some of the quick hits, we do it in-house. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, now I'm trying to paddle back a little bit and, and going back to the digital labs because I, I think that's something that I want to touch upon and I think I will touch upon as well the uh, future of sports lab, I think, mm-hmm. a bit later on, but on digital labs because for me it's like 
you've been capable to a certain extent. I mean, you will need to tell us a bit how many people that is, the different teams and everything. But for me, it's like you're just showing the sports industry how you can internalize capabilities. Yeah. Sure, you have your own roadmap, your own understanding of the fan. You know where you want to go. And, okay, either we go inside and we do it ourselves because we have the capacities and, and we know how to do it, or we say okay, maybe it's better to go outside and to buy because it's already available, mm -hmm. it's more rapid, it's mm -hmm. economically more uh, relevant, uh, and so we go outside. But digital labs, if you can like tell us, because I think you are quite a, a huge number of people there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll touch on digital labs a little bit first, and then I'll, I'll speak to Future of Sport Lab a bit. So digital mm -hmm. labs as a group, we started about about three years ago, you know, some of our teams were already existing within the organization, but about three years ago, uh, Hamza Tarani, our, our chief technology and digital officer came on board and he really brought all of the technology, digital, digital innovation strategy functions together across the organization. Okay. And so that, uh, as I mentioned previously, that encompasses our IT and networks functions. So, you know, the more traditional IT um, help desk and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, our venue technology team. So they're the ones that operate all of our technology in venues. So anything to do with all of the video boards, all of the audio technology, all of the broadcast technology in-house. Uh, ticketing as well? Sorry? Uh, the accreditation, ticketing, all these so, things. So yeah, ticketing is a little bit separate, but we do like our digital team works on the technology for the ticketing. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. so so that's what our, our product team uh, works a lot on in partnership with Ticketmaster since they're our, our ticketing. Mm -hmm vendor essentially um and then we have the yeah the product development software engineering and design um components of digital labs as well as data science and then strategy and analytics um and our general innovation and esports team as well so that kind of all sits within digital labs so we we all of a all in total probably make up about 100 people um and the the digital product strategy innovation side probably makes up close to kind of 50 to 60 of those um i would probably say so we're we're a pretty we're a pretty big big group and uh wide ranging in our, our skill sets and talents which is which is really exciting I can definitely tell you you have an army of people <laughs> to, to well Maybe not in the U.S., but compared to most European teams or leagues or even federations, it's, uh, I mean, everybody would die to get this kind of, of rough figures, more or less. But For I mean, sure. the, the, the vision is excellent. And, and uh, you were saying at the beginning, like, data is key or is of paramount importance. To which extent, uh, where does it sit within digital labs? Because I think there is a clear link between the strategy the apps and the digital assets you're trying to build yeah. with the data you are gathering. But as you are building the product, I'm sure you are collecting even more data, yeah. first party data, especially. And so you are even more aware of the different behaviors and needs yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you need to solve. Uh, so I just want, I was just wondering, do you have a data science team uh, on the architecture side as well? Uh, mm -hmm. How does it operate altogether? Yeah, so so we have two, uh, I guess I'll call them data teams. So we have our data science and data engineering, which which sits with our technology and and uh, product team uh, primarily. So they kind of uh, roll up under that software engineering uh, architecture and um, 
uh, design type bucket. And they do, they do a lot of work on the team side, actually. So kind of with our front offices, and they do a lot of uh, work there that I can't go too much in detail to, but they also do a lot of work with our fan facing products and okay. uh, gathering a lot of our first party data. And then we also have our analytics team, which um, so if our data science team is going really deep on some of the model building and doing some of the, the back end kind of data engineering work to get the data ready for consumption, the analytics team is then doing a little bit of the translation of data into insights and actions. Um, and so, yeah, so the analytics team sits with the strategy and innovation team, which is my team uh, here. And so they sit uh, and kind of operate as a central service, not only for our technology digital team, but for uh, any of our business units across MLSE. So they work very closely with our ticketing team, with our partnerships team, with food and beverage, marketing, retail, um, and, and do kind so of... they serve the clients internally. Exactly. They're kind of a consulting exactly. data group that yeah. serves every client, internal clients based on their needs. Okay, cool. Yeah. And... And so what, what was 2020 like for digital labs? I mean, there, there is, I mean, 2020 was specific enough that it's not a traditional year, that's for sure. But yeah. what, what was like last year? What, how do you look at 2021 and how do you see beyond that as well? Yeah, I think um, for us, 2020 was, and for everyone, was just a really weird year. It was just something that we didn't really know how to, how to react to, how to respond to. But I think we as an organization, MLSE as a whole, and then our digital labs group, we were really resilient. And we really recognized that, you know, our, um, our, our business is our people and our people are, you know, the people that work for MLSE, but also our fans. And so we need to be taking care of, of all of those people and just treating everyone as humans um, in this in this time and just being, you know, really authentic about the ways that we're communicating, uh, the ways that we're checking in with people. And then using this time as well to to do a bit of a reset on some parts of our business to recognize, you know, what was working, what wasn't working, what could we be doing better. Uh, which ways, you know, what are some new things that we can be thinking of, new ways to innovate that we can be um, bringing forward with us into 2021 and what can we accelerate? What's already started that we can use this time to accelerate? So I really, I've really seen 2020, I think, as an acceleration of some of the current trends that we've already seen in sports. Um, not necessarily, you know, I don't think there's going to be any major, major pivots, like going in a completely different direction than what we were already heading um, before. But I think 2020 has just allowed it to speed up a little bit, particularly in the realm of things like, um, you know, digitizing experiences and interactive broadcasts and uh, even data. You know, we as an organization have done a, a big data reset in the last year as well, just mm -hmm. kind of going back to the fundamentals of how we collect data, how we stick it all together, how we create that view of our fans to allow us to make mm -hmm. decisions. So I'm really excited for what 2021 kind of has to hold for, for all of those things that we started and, and accelerated in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right in terms of there's no major changes or pivot. Like you said, it's, mm -hmm. it's like an, an acceleration of yeah. trends we've seen coming in the past, but where they become even more of a priority. Yeah. So they go even more on the top of the list. Yeah. And uh, then you, you yeah, sure. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's allowed us too, to to really recognize. I think we took for granted how easy it was to connect with our fans when we had them in our building. So it when you know creating that um, touch point with them and using that as the primary way to build our brand, um, 
I think it's been really cool to see just our organization get behind the fact that like, that's not the only way that we can do that in the future. And so I think it's going to be really cool to see coming out into 2021. And as we get back to arenas as well, just how much more we can do for our fans beyond what Mm -hmm. they get in the arena. uh, Because we've, we've had to think outside of that, you know, arena box. Can you tease us us a little bit? Because in terms of, it's true that there was this venue where that was the main but in terms of seamless experience or even augmented reality experience, like there is like every day is a game day or yeah. it's a 24-7, 365 uh, across the whole season and not just match day. How, how can that look like in the future for MLSE and all the, the teams actually? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, I think you touched on some of the technologies that will help us to enable it, but, you know, it's the mm-hmm. augmented reality um, AI, it's 5G coming up as well that are going to really allow us to create that absolutely frictionless experience from anywhere in the world, from anyone's living room. Um, I think, you know, our vision is to extend that arena experience into every single fan's living room across the country and across the world so that that feeling that you get of coming to a game, you know, that that absolute feeling of being present and being um, just immersed in that in arena experience doesn't have to be only for the select few that have the ability to come to the arena. So I think, yeah, so I think it's going to be really bringing that arena experience into people's homes um, through, you know, we have a, a ton of capabilities even just like our game presentation team for example who have now had to turn everything that they would normally do in the arena into a digital experience as well we've seen a ton of so anybody can can join yes anyone can join and so you know it doesn't the things that go on in the arena don't just need to be limited to in the arena like we can bring that into people's homes through their phones uh through their tvs and like through the way that they kind of you know either watch or are talking on their phone or are hearing things through their phone. So um, it's really it's really going to be for us just furthering that exploration um, into how we bring that arena experience into everyone's homes. Okay. That's, I mean, for me, that's fascinating. And actually from the most, like, I'm more into the, I'm coming for the next question more from the uh, innovation angle. So I was... And I'm still trying to implement innovation strategies, but true innovation that makes sense or tangible results within an organization. And it's, I would say it's difficult because you always have the kind of outside in where like you integrate and it's easy sometimes with digital products or an SDK or an API, but the true innovation sometimes comes from within. So the inside out where you come with the ideas, where you, you go after to the market, but you, you start from within with your team. And I was wondering with MLSC because due to the, and you touched it upon like with the different teams and franchises. So maybe it's different with fan engagement and sports performance. But for me, it was how, how does it look like for an innovation process? Like how do you create something? Um, is, it, is it easy? Do you have a pool of different experts or people from different teams is it something where digital labs directly start with their own uh, vendor or partners directly or how does it operate? Yeah, um, it's a good question. And I wish there there was like, you know, a clean, simple answer to this. But the, the reality <laughs> is, is that there's probably not. So I think there's a couple different directions this can go. So I think first off, there's the direction of we at the end of the day are 
we are there to enable and to help our teams um, succeed and help our, our business verticals succeed as well. So from ticketing to retail to partnerships to marketing, we, we enable them from a digital perspective. And so some of the innovation and some of the, you know, building that we do comes, you know, either uh, as a request from them or in collaboration with them where it's like we have this problem. Do they, do they come to you directly now? Yeah. Is it? Are they coming to you and say, okay, this is my top priority. Can you help us out? Yeah. So some of it's that and some of it's, some of it's, um, this is my priority or this is the challenge that I'm trying to solve. What can we do? You know, what can we build? What can we, um, kind of bring? Can you help me with this? Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, it's not even that they have a fully baked idea all the time. It's them, um, you know, having a seed of something or, or like I said, having a problem or a challenge that they want to solve and coming to us to help them solve that, um, with, with our capabilities. But is it, so, because I really like it because it means like the level of maturity, like when different business units come to you directly with a priority or with a need, it means you've been identified yeah. and, and you are there and everything. Yeah. But can you be sometimes a bit proactive? And because you're managing the strategy, can you tell them, oh, guys, we know you're looking into uh, behavior science uh, on the core fan segments we've seen recently in the last eight months, this, 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 this. Would you mind if we were like an A-B test on some of the apps we want because we want to test this or whatever? Can you, can you be also directly proactive to them? 100%. Um, and I think we've seen even more of that during the pandemic. Um, I think, you know, when it was just sort of our, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, it was a little bit more uh, the because the businesses, they're so good at what they do and they know, you know, they know what they want. They know what their strategy is. They know kind of how they want to take it forward. They were looking for someone to help them enable that. So it was a little bit more of them coming to us. But I think during the pandemic, everyone just had to take a step back and was just kind of like, hey, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what to do. So what can we come up with together? And I think, you know, our whole way of um, creating a new engaging fan experience for our fans was, you know, the seed was born out of Digital Labs. And it was born with us going to the business verticals and saying, hey, we think we can do this. What do you think? Let's do some research. Like, let's work on this together. And we had, I think, at this back in May and, and April and May, when we started out on this journey that we've been on these last nine months, we had like 80 people on these cross-functional calls talking about this idea that we wanted to try and bring to life for our fans during the bubble. And everyone was giving updates on things that they were working on and uh, ideas that they had for it. And we were tapping into everyone's different capabilities um, across. So a true opportunity. Yeah. A true opportunity as a catalyst for your innovation. Yeah. And so, so that's been, that's been really cool to see. And I think that's also helped to cement us again, you know, even more as the as the within our own company's eyes is the people that that really can help them with innovation and can help them kind mm. of can help everyone move our businesses forward. Um, and so when we, you know, it's still I think going into twenty twenty one and and future years, it's still always going to be uh, a little bit of the business coming to us and a little bit of us going to them. But the more that we can just keep those open lines of communication and 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 have those really good relationships with our business partners across mm-hmm. different business verticals, that's really key to innovation because you can't just have one group wanting to try a bunch of different things if you don't have buy-in from all the other groups across the organization too. Yeah, so you need some kind of harmony or... Yeah, exactly. Fully, fully, fully agree with that. Yeah. Um, and you were mentioning, so that's... Yeah, the buy-in internally from the different business unions, from the top management, that's mm-hmm. key, that's for sure. 
Um, I wanted to pose a little bit, or not to pose, but maybe go to another route. It's to talk a bit more of the startups. We all know everybody when we talk today of innovation or, or strategies, like, okay, but what do you do with the startups? Can you tell us your your best predictions? What 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 are the best ones? That's never easy to do, mm-hmm. uh, from from my own feeling, but. For MLFC, how, how do you partner with them? Is it on a case by case basis? Uh, do you do you have some specific initiatives, or are you looking at a specific level of maturity? How, how does it all work on your yeah. side? It, that's a great question. So I think, uh, you know, we have our Future of Sport Lab. So for anyone listening that doesn't know, uh, Future of Sport Lab is an incubator that we have launched or launched about two years ago now um, in partnership with Ryerson University in Toronto. And um, so incubator. You mentioned incubator. So very much early stage. Early stage. Yeah. So so primarily looking at kind of seed stage startups uh, for the most part. And uh, we've had two cohorts come through FSL now. Um, so a total of 11 startups, I think, uh, have come through. And what we really kind of were envisioning with that, and I think where we, we really hope to continue to take that is um, there's, there's, a ton of, there's a ton of innovation happening in sport right now. And there are so, so many companies out there to work with. And we, as MLSE, want to be able to, I mentioned our buy versus build uh, mentality. We, as MLSE, want to be working with the best in the business at um, innovating and, mm-hmm. and building new technologies. And we, as an organization, know that we're not going to be able to build everything. Like, that's just not feasible. Like, at a certain point, you have to focus on your strengths. And so where we can... Um, you know, leverage the strengths of another organization, a startup, or, you know, another company to help us on our journey um, and help us kind of, you know, move towards our vision, uh, we're, we're going to do that. And so what we had then start with FSL is a really unique opportunity for startups to come in and use MLSE as a testing ground for their products and services. Mm-hmm. So access to uh, a hugely enthusiastic fan base for fan engagement or access to, um, you know, performance data on the sport performance mm-hmm. side. And, and so a really unique opportunity to partner um, for us to, to learn from, from them and to get access to the best in the business, uh, new products, new services, and for them to be able to hone their, their products, um, their product market fit and all that sort of stuff to, to help them to grow uh, their startup as well. And so, we, you know, coming out of that have seen um, just some some really great partnerships uh, kind of evolve. And uh, and it's also been a great launching point for some for some of the startups that have come through there. The GIST is, is one of them that was in our first cohort. And now they're, you know, expanding like crazy and have been in a couple different uh, 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 accelerator programs and stuff. So yeah. it's been really cool to see. What's your, I mean... I've been running also challenges or these kind of specific uh, initiatives or scheme okay. for, for startups. Is like, and I always like having courts and this kind of accelerator program or incubator because you have a given deadline, you, you know where you are at, and you know there is some kind of an emulation or some work to work as a startup. Also for the people internally within the organization to be to feel a bit more like living as a startup. But at the same time, I feel it's hard sometimes, you know, the same benefits are usually also the, the cons when it comes to potentially a service provider cannot commit uh, or potentially there is a business unit 
that cannot uh, give too much of their time because uh, I don't know you were referring to to a, a living lab and potentially the team is in playoffs so they have to focus on the team first and and they they don't have the time really to to help out with the with the startup which is onboarded so how did you find this kind of okay we have some kind of a cohort or a scheme but at the same time we would love to have some kind of a more flexibility with an open innovation how did how did you find the mix between the two or yeah i think you know that's always going to be challenging i think for us it was really making sure you know we got a lot of applications for for fsl but it was really making sure that that the the startups that we uh kind of admitted into the incubator were going to be ones that we knew um, would also help us kind of over the course with our priorities over the course of the next year. And so mm-hmm. would make sense for the direction that our, our organization um, is trending in and that we're seeing um, the sports industry in general trend in as well. But that would then make it easier for us to get kind of internal buy-in to help with piloting some of these things. Mm-hmm. So if it made sense as a from a fit perspective, um, with what some of our organizational priorities um, are, then that makes it get you know that makes it a lot easier to get that internal buy-in and to get the time for people to invest. Necessary to invest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And talking about investment, is it in the business model for FSL or MLSC to actually take shares or equity within the FSL or not yet? Or is not it yet. Mostly in the, not yet. Okay. Not yet. And it's more within the digital labs, or is it within? I mean, in terms of business model between digital labs, which is mostly internal, and FSL with the university, how does that work? Yeah, so FSL is co-managed by our digital labs team, uh, by our strategy and innovation team, and then by Ryerson. So um, it sits it sits a little bit separately, but it's it's co-run by us. And then um, digital digital labs is very much like you said, internal and and part of of MLSE. Um, but anything that kind of happened within FSL would funnel through digital labs into the rest of the company. Um, mm-hmm. So. I think, you know, we don't really know what it looks like exactly down the road yet, but I think in, in an ideal world, um, we evolve this to be something where it's a little bit more like a venture arm for us, for sure. Okay, for you, yeah. With a, yeah, at least break even or even like profit driven yeah. business model. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, and actually talking about uh, a VC arm, like the leagues have been super good, like mm-hmm. MLB or other ones to have their own mm-hmm. VC arms actually and to invest and to have the teams. Yeah. How because in a way you are some kind of a small team or I don't know. Like yeah. <laughs> what it, it seems when I first talked to you, I was like, okay, but it seems like you are a competitor to the to the to the leagues. But at the same time, after discussing with you, it's like, no, actually you are more of a partner or some yeah. kind of helping them in terms of finding maybe the best uh, best practices and, and after that so that they can spread it over across the entire franchise. But I, I was wondering what's the relationship between MLSC and what you're doing because you are doing a lot of innovation with with the HQ more or less. Yeah. No, it's um, it, it's also a good question. And I think we it's definitely a collaborative approach that we take with the leagues. I think um, there's learnings that we can take from them and that they can take from from us as one of the the biggest sports entertainment kind of organizations in North America too. And so um, I think the leagues are really interesting because they obviously have access to a ton of information across all of the different teams and a ton of the best practices and, you know, what's working, what's not working. Um, 
But what they don't necessarily have the opportunity to do all the time is go really deep into one area or um, focus in on, on something specifically because they are trying to service all teams. And so where it's been a collaborative effort and where there's kind of, um, you know, a good path forward uh, in terms of relationship standpoint is that we as MLSE um, can look at opportunities and go really deep on one area versus having to think about, you know, 29 or 30 other teams uh, across the league. So for us, that's that's really beneficial um, because because we can kind of, like I said, dive really deep onto something that we're kind of all in on. Um, and then we can use the, you know, use the league as resources and, and also kind of feed information back to them. Um, but the league can help with things that are a little bit more wide ranging and have applicabilities across the majority mm-hmm. of all teams. Uh, so that was, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I was just wondering while you were talking for the sports performance side, to which extent, because here in Europe, it's always not complicated, but it's a bit more of a secret or a, like yeah. coaches or first team, they don't really want to share that much or they don't want to give you the recipe for success. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering to which extent, because I see definitely onto the the fan engagement side or even the, the data or, or the IT systems, because at the end of the day, we we do replicate and we do face the same challenges and and we're trying to solve the same business needs, but when it comes to on-pitch performance, then it becomes to, yeah. we are less partner, we are more competitor. So yeah. how, how does that work? That's, um, to be honest, I think, I don't think we have a, a good answer for that yet. And I think, think we're still figuring it out. It is very much, it's the same in North America where, you know, your competitors on the ice, on the court, on the pitch, and that information you, you don't share. And, you know, we we're doing some really cool things here in Toronto for all of our teams that we're not necessarily in a position to go and share with other teams, with the leagues and, and that sort of stuff. Um, at least until we figured out, you know, how can we provide something that doesn't give away the proprietariness of like how we make it work for us, but is maybe the underlying technology that the platform is built off of, but Hey, you need to go and do your own algorithms and stuff to yeah. kind of make it work for you. Yeah. Right. So so we're we're just trying to figure out what that um, line looks like, I guess, and we definitely don't have it fully figured out yet. Um, but it's all part of the evolution of just how we grow our practice and how we grow the the digital labs um, kind of mandate and team in general. In general, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, as as we, it's already like well, forty six. So <laughs> I, I, I will go through the the last questions I have. Uh, I had too many actually, but. Um, one of the could you could you tell us a bit more on one of the latest success stories that you had, not necessarily with a startup, but on a specific project where where you felt like okay the teams were on board or something where you were driving value for the fans or maybe for for the teams. I, I don't know, but one or two success stories, big startup or internal work group or even research based. I don't know, something to give a bit of a flavor. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think one success story that's really come out of the last sort of nine, 10 months or so, uh, which I kind of alluded to previously, is just really um, this, this new kind of fan engagement platform that we've been working on for our fans um, going into the next year, which is intended to bring that in arena experience into people's homes through interactive games, through chat, through 
um, you know, uh, watch parties uh, with your friends and uh, through the ability for our game presentation team to bring that in arena experience to life on a fan's phone. Um, so for us, that's been a huge success story because um, it has required a ton of cross collaboration across our organization. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the the dream for any organization is not to operate in silos and any organization that tells you they don't operate in silos is probably lying a little bit uh, because there is just inherently in human nature i think you know uh, yeah. um, a siloed approach to certain human things. nature and in organization it, nature of exactly yeah. exactly so but but i think you know one thing that we have done really well with this project and this um this platform that we've been building is is that cross-functional collaboration and having daily meetings with people from across different mm. parts of the organization um, that bring everyone together. And it's not, you know, one conversation with someone in partnerships and then a different conversation with someone in marketing. It's the same conversation all together. And I think for us, that has been a huge success to see um, those relationships form and that, uh, you know, breaking down of, of silos uh, happening uh, during the last few months. And then for our fans too, it's, you know, this is the beginning of our expansion of our just experience that goes beyond coming down to a game. Um, and so I think for our fans, they've really appreciated uh, it, it's been kind of in beta mode with them for a while, but they've appreciated the ability to test out a new product with us and give us feedback and then see that feedback come to life. I think a lot of the times what we okay. when we hear from our fans, they feel like if they give us some feedback or if they uh, tell us something. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't always get action upon. It kind of falls on deaf ears. Uh, but through this beta uh, that we've been running, our fans have really felt listened to and felt connected with. And that's mm-hmm. been really awesome to see. Um, and, it, and we've seen them invest in it and spend their time testing it out for us and letting them letting us know what works, what doesn't work. And uh, so I that's think, cool. yeah, that's I think that's big. been really, really yeah. cool for us. And Okay, and after promise, it's the last before last questions. But from what I've listened, is it seems like do you have a big technology partner? Because you're you're building something for me where which sits between, like you said, ticketing the digital, mm-hmm. but also you have the broadcast, so the viewing experience. It it all comes together, and and we know how hard sometimes it is to to speak the same language, yeah. uh, even from an IT system or architecture-based perspective, even like to to digest the data into that, to make them like actionable, like you were saying, like structured and actionable for, for insights. So I was wondering, how do you partner with bigger companies or technology partners on that front? Yeah, we... Um... We partner with the companies that that are kind of going to have the same vision as us and the, and the same, uh, you know, want to to succeed and to do the things that that we also want to do. So from a from a bigger company standpoint, you know, we we work still on quite a few different platforms, AWS, Azure. So we're we're still kind of experimenting with what the best fit is there for us as an organization. Um, but but on a smaller company standpoint, you know, this new platform we've de- been developing, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them, but we've been working with an awesome development partner on this, Tradable Bits, who they're just, for us, um, we've been five-year partners with them. And um, we have co-created this product because, you know, they had some capabilities, we had some capabilities, and we decided, hey, let's see if we can bring it together and co-create this product that is, you know, hopefully going to be the future of sports and entertainment down the road. Cool. Um, and so for That's us, 
Yeah, exactly. Another success story. And so that that for us is just finding the fit um, there for for like minded organizations that just want to create really cool experiences. Cool. Okay. And promise, last question, uh, very short. Uh, I hate it myself when I'm asked this question in terms of like, do you have a crystal ball or how yeah. do you see the future? But I'm just wondering, and okay, I think I've understood a little bit where you come from and how you see the future, but for all our listeners out there, what what would be the main thing if you were, I don't know, an innovation manager or someone within a club or a league? Mm-hmm. Like, what would be you... What would you be looking at in terms of trends or, or main things to be aware of for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, this is a, I, I, this is a hard question, um, and it's definitely one that yeah, I also you know don't know what the what the right answer is always to it. But I think, um, like we mentioned earlier, I think it's really just an acceleration of all of the trends that we were seeing previously. And it's going to be, you know, particularly on the interactive broadcast side, like what can we do to make that experience less one way? And how do we work with our broadcast partners to do that? Um, And if they're kind of doing it, you know, on their own, what can we um, as a sports franchise or club or team, uh, what can we bring to the table to help make that better for them too, to add value to that and then add value to, to our fans. Um, I think, you know, at the core of that is obviously all the data too. So um, what we... What data we, would make you more player data, especially. Exactly, exactly. And so I think, you know, it has to be a focus for any club, any innovation team to be really working on getting that first party data um, as much as possible and building your solutions, building your ideas with that entire data architecture, data framework um, and big picture in mind. Because if you build a product first and then try and add in data afterwards, it's, that's not necessarily, it's not going to work. So you really need to build data into the foundation of the product and build in data collection into the foundation of a product um, for the future. And that in the end, or you know, to come for full circle, can also be a way that you add value to some of your um, partners, whether it's your corporate partner sponsors, to your broadcast partners, your network partners, mm-hmm. because sometimes they don't have access to that data and they want that data. So how can you use that to add value to those conversations and to then work in partnership with them? Um, yeah. So I think, I think those are some of the big ones. And I think for us in North America here and especially in Canada, sports betting is just going to be one that like we, you know, is it's been talked about for a long time. Um, but, uh, that's going to be really coming to fruition, uh, over the course of the next few months, few years. Um, so what can we as a, as a team do to, you know, capitalize on that and, and, um, you know, at least, you know, gain a little bit of that market. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tika. Uh, thank you. Just <laughs> enjoyed the talk really. So I think I will come back to you maybe in one year time to see where, where we're at and, and, and what the experience in Toronto can look like because, for me, what, what you were describing in terms of like having the fans even at home, living the experience or from anywhere in the world, yeah. I think this is where every franchises or teams are, are moving towards in terms of activating their communities. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Thank you for the talk and, and thank you for sharing what MLSC is doing. That's, yeah, that's really unique. Of course. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to staying in touch. Le corner.